we are going to do part three of our study in James. We're going to go through the last part of chapter one. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. We're, we're talking about everyday believer stuff. James is just super practical. He's given us a lot of things to do and to, to think about. Uh, so, so let's read from 19 all the way to 27, and then we'll go back and break some of it apart, and I believe it'll be a help to you. Amen. All right, so James 1, starting verse number 19. You ready? So then, my beloved brothers and sisters, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, which may be the worst kind of deceit. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does." And if any among you thinks to be religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Help us, James. Come on. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. What is a lot right there, isn't it? It's a lot. Lord, we thank you for your word. We just give it first place and we come together to hear we come together to receive, we come together to be in your presence, to be with your people. And Lord, we're just counting on you to speak to our hearts. What may be out of line, Lord, I pray you'd put it back in line. What needs to be blessed, Lord, I pray you'd help us to receive your blessing. Thank you, Lord. Make us able to hear and able to do what you want us to do. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said amen. 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 So we're wrapping up chapter one. We've talked about the test that we go through, right? James said, we go through tests, and he said something odd. He said, when you go through tests, count it all joy. That's a different way to look at life, isn't it? When you go through difficulties, count it all joy because God's working. He's working not just for you, but he's also working on us. And Peter even says something a little bit more intriguing about all these tests. In 1 Peter 1, 7, he tells us that when we've been tested by the fire, you ever been to the fire? I mean, it gets hot sometimes, doesn't it? It gets real hot. He says that that fire has an ability, when God's in control of it, it has ability to bring genuineness to our faith. It, it burns off everything that's not true and not real, and it brings a genuineness of your faith, and that your faith that has been tried in the fire and come out on the other side is more precious than gold. Now, we wouldn't say more precious than gold today. We would say it like this. It's more important than the money in your pocket and your bank account. That the most important thing that you have is not the car you drive, it's not the house you live in, it's not your net worth, it's not that bundle of cash that you count on. The most important thing that you and I have is our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that's going to get us through both time and eternity is our faith in Jesus Christ. And he said the most valuable thing that you have is your faith. And when it comes out on the other side of the test, faith is purified. He also goes on to tell us that in the test, you can be sure that temptation will come. Now, the temptation is, is, is the temptation to go in the wrong direction. God wants to purify our faith. The enemy wants to magnify our sin. That's temptation. 
in all of this, the test and all the temptation, James says what we need most of all is to go to God and ask him for wisdom. And what did he say about it? He said, if you ask God, what will he do? What did he say? He'll give it. He'll just give it liberally, freely. He's so full of wisdom and goodness. He said, I just can't wait to get it to you. I, he, I, I can see God sometimes when you're going through struggles and I'm going through struggles. I can see him leaning over heaven saying, just, just, just ask me. If you'll just ask me, I'll just open up the windows that I got here of heaven. I'll pour blessing. If you'll ask me, I'll just give you what you need. Hmm. Now, I'm reminded of the old song. It says, how much needless pain we bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. God's just waiting on us to ask, isn't he? Hmm. And he says he's got so many gifts, good and perfect gifts to share with us. To light up our path. So God's got good stuff to give us, but we've got to be able to hear it and receive it, and then we've got to be able to walk into it. That, that's what he gets into this last part in verse 19 on through 27. James wants us to focus on both the hearing and the doing. So we're going to ask God for wisdom. God's going to give it, but just when you get the wisdom, it's not just enough just to hear it. What do you also have to do? You've got to walk it out. You've got to do it, right? You've got to do it. So verse 19 and 20, just breaking this apart. He says, My beloved brothers and sisters... He says this, say it with me, let every man be, say it with me, swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. All right, let's, three things he gives us, three quick points of advice that'll take you a lifetime to live out. Isn't that, isn't that something about the Bible? You can read it in 30 seconds and it'll take you a whole lifetime to live it out. Three things he gives us, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get mad. Maybe you need to tell the person beside you, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to get mad. And now that they're mad, say it again. <laughs> he, he, you know, mama taught us this, and, and then I got to reading in some of, our, some of my ancient Hebrew studies and things like that, and I found out that the, the rabbis of old said the same thing. Mama said that you got two ears and one mouth, which that means you should... Listen twice as much as you speak. I, I thought that came from mama, but I started reading my resources. And these guys way, way, way back been saying this. This has been circulated in our, in our circles for a long, long time. The teachers also said this. They said, notice the design of, of how God made us. That your ears are to always be open and alert and ready. Your ears are wide open. But guess what? That mouth, that tongue is hidden in a dark cave. And put in prison behind these ivory bars. <laughs> and you dare not let it go out. Except in the right way at the right time. You see what I'm talking about? <laughs> mm-hmm. So now the art of listening becomes really, really important. And my mind just goes crazy when I, hear, when I say that. Because there are all kinds of teachings that Jesus gave us about hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And all about the seed and taking it in. You, some of it coming to mind with you as well. Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. Let him listen to what I'm saying. And when Jesus talks about hearing, he doesn't mean just hear it. He means hear it and do it. See, Mama taught me that. Mama taught me that. She'd tell me to take out the trash. And now I wouldn't respond. Sometimes I'd, I'd just like that. I hear, but I don't always respond. Anybody else like that? Any, any men in the room want to just slip up your hand? Just, just don't, don't throw. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's me. And she'd say, go take out the garbage. No, I wouldn't respond. And she'd say, go take out the garbage. 
And I would say, I heard you the first time. But why did mama think I didn't hear? Not because I didn't hear, but because the trash is still in the kitchen. And I didn't do it yet, right? And that's what Jesus is talking about. I want you to listen on the level that you intend to do what I'm saying. Amen. So he gives us two warnings in those, those three, that threefold advice. Two warnings. Especially when you're going through hard times. Now this is for all of life, but especially through those testing times. And those temptation times. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. You know what he says? Be careful. <laughs> well, they're listening. <laughs> he says, be careful and don't speak too quickly before you listen. Isn't that important? I just, just think about this. Anybody. Anybody ever took your phone and, and, and you, you sent a text message or a reply on social media just a little too quick? And then you think, and then, then you call somebody up and say, you, you think I should have said that? Depending on who you call, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, girl, go ahead. Tell them what you're saying. Yeah, huh? yeah. Yeah. You just get it. Go on, get it out. Get it out. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. But if you call grandma and wife say, honey, you, you need to calm it down now. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So he says, be careful and don't speak too quickly. Be quick to hear, slow to speak. And then he starts talking about frustration because there's nothing that quite gets us frustrated when, like when things go wrong. Things are not going right. We get frustrated. That frustration and anger begins to build up on the inside of us. And he says, do not be quick to get mad. Hmm. And he gives us this, this, this point of truth. The wrath of man, our wrath, never produces the right thing. It won't put you in the right place. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It will not. Now, it may get the kids to do something, but it won't get things right. You understand? And I don't know about you, but I've, I've had my bouts with anger in my life. And I'm sure with all the stupid around, I'm not done with it yet. You know what I'm talking about? It's tough. But we got to be careful. He's given us warning through all of that. Be quick to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to get mad. Say it with me. Quick to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to get mad. Boy, that is just some eternal advice right there, isn't it? Anger will not get you to where God wants you to be. Dallas Willard, my buddy I read after I love him to pieces. Can't wait to get to heaven to meet him. Whatever you think you can do with anger, you can do better without it. And the people around you can do better without it too. Ah, enough of that. We, we can talk about that for days. So he says there's some work we've got to do. He says, therefore, in verse 21, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Okay, lay aside. Lay aside some stuff. So now, now we've got some cleanup work to do. We got some cleanup work. Lay aside. This is the idea, kind of like the picture. Like, like if you were out hunting and you got your clothes all muddy or doing something, or you went four-wheeling and you did this and got muddy, or you went out and got in the rain, or you went out and worked hard one day, you, you come home and you take off your dirty clothes and put on your clean clothes, right? Well, you take a bath in the middle of it, hopefully. But he says right here, he says, you've got the power to lay aside, kind of like taking off the dirty clothes, to lay aside all this filthiness. Now, what is the filthiness? Well, that's the moral impurities in our life. Whatever they may be. 
in word, thought, deed, whatever it might be. He said, I want you to be serious, so serious about your walk with Christ that you learn to lay aside filthiness. And then he calls it the overflow of wickedness. All those hateful feelings, all that hatefulness, all that malice and evil that builds up in us and the stuff we just kind of pick up along the way almost. He says, I am calling you as followers of Jesus. I'm calling you to holy living. That's important for us, isn't it? And I'm going to tell you, it's getting tougher and tougher to live a holy life in an unholy world. They are putting more and more pressure, especially in your workplace and all those kind of things. But James is calling us to holy living. See, why why is he wanting us to get all this filth and, and, and wickedness out of our hearts and out of our lives? Well, that's what keeps us from hearing. We're talking about hearing and doing. This will absolutely keep you from hearing and doing what God wants you to do and living your best life. It'll keep you from it. That kind of reminds me of the parable of the seed and the sower. Remember that one Jesus talked about in Matthew 13 and Mark 4? Remember the, all the four different kinds of soil? Remember that? Soil went out to sow. Through some of it went on hard ground. Some of it you know, went over by the wayside. Some of it went on hard ground. Some of it went in the weeds and the thorns. And some of it went on good stuff. Good soil. Remember that? Well, see, that, that weeds and all that stuff, the deceitfulness of riches and desire for the wrong kind of stuff and got my life and priorities all jacked up and messed up. He said, that, that keeps you. It'll, it'll choke out the word. It'll keep it from bearing fruit in your life. That, that kind of reminds me of what James is talking about. Then he says, that second part of verse 21, to receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. So now we're get, getting some stuff out of the, our lives. We're getting our hearts in a better condition. And now we're ready to receive. And he tells us that we've got to receive in a particular kind of way. This is like an essential to receiving truth. We've got to have the right attitude. You've got to have the right attitude. Mama did a lot of working on our attitude. I mean, Mama didn't just go to our actions. Now, she she corrected that too. My sister, she gave me fits all my life. Caused me a lot of trouble. And we would, we would fuss, and, and mom would see us doing stuff wrong, especially towards each other. And, and she would correct the behavior, and then, then she would say things like, like y'all, y'all apologize. And I'd look at her, and I'd be mad as a hornet, you know, that, that kind of mad, just mad as you can get at your sister. You know how that works, if you got one, especially a younger one. Never mind. <laughs> Older one, too, right? <laughs> and and I, she would say, apologize to your sister. And I'd say, I'm sorry. <laughs> Tell her you love her. I love you. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Grunted teeth and all that kind of stuff. And mama said, no, 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 uh-uh. That, that's not going to cut it. Because, see, mama wasn't just interested in just my actions. She was interested in my attitude because she knew, you know, if, if my attitude gets right, then my actions follow. But I can go through the motions and do the right thing and have the wrong attitude, and I'll be worse off than I started. Isn't that true? So now this idea of receiving with meekness is, is referring to this idea of being teachable. It's having a teachable spirit that, that when you need help, don't act like you know everything. Ask for help, especially when it comes to God. Come to God with a teachable spirit. We, we maybe call that humble. Come to God with humility. In, in, in fact, one of the lyrics in the song that was just played on the dedication was about, or one of the blessings was about you having a humble spirit all of your days. Did you hear that? That's important. Because see, pride and, and the know-it-all attitude 
just absolutely will shipwreck your life. You know? And we deal with all this as parents, especially with, with our kids. We see it more of a reflection. We didn't see it in us growing up, but we certainly see it in our kids at times. I, I've said this before. Lily, when she was little, just a little guy. When she was little, she would want to do things her way. You know, at, 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 at about six months or a year, they start to develop their, this thing called will. And they want to do their thing their way. And by the time you get to the terrible twos, they, they're letting you know what they want. Right? Very, very much so. So she's three, four years old, something like that. And, and she, she's getting ready. You know, we got somewhere to go and got, got to be there quick. And she, I want to do her shoes. And she had this thing that she always said, always. I don't know where she got it from, but she just always would say it. And it was almost like this one long word. And she would say, I do it, 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 I do it. I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. That's the translation of that. But she said it one long word. You go to put her shoes on the right feet and tie them. She go, I do it, I do it, I do it. I didn't know no more than a man in the moon what she was doing, but I do it, I do it, I do it, I do it, I do it. So finally we just step back. Do it, baby. Come out, shoes on the wrong feet, tied in knots, shirt on backwards, pants ain't upright. Wildly. She did it. One time, all that happened, and God said, you know, that's, that's where you treat me sometimes. You just want to do it your way. But you know what? I wouldn't let her go out of the house like that. Because, no, uh she's a reflection of us. You ain't going to school like that now. You done done it, now we got to undone it. <laughs> and let's do it again. And God has to do that with us time and time and time and time again. So we've got to have the right attitude in order to receive so that we can hear properly. That, that's what this is all about. Now he talks about this idea of the implanted word. That, that's, that's, that's a loaded statement. The implanted word. Now who's doing, who's doing the planting? Well, who's the sower of the word? Well, Jesus is. The, the Holy Spirit is. He's, he's planting the word. So with this teachable spirit... This hungry heart, and now my, my soul's a little bit cleaner. I've got some of the rocks out, and I've got some of the weeds out, and I still got a few to go, but, but, but it's better than it was. Now I'm able to better receive the implanted Word of God, and it says that when I receive the Word of God properly, that it's able to save me. It's able to rescue me right out of the mess, all the tests and temptation he's been talking about. It's able to save my soul out of that mess that maybe I even had a hand in creating. So it's the Word of God we need. It's, it's that implanted Word. So we're, we're doing some heart work. We're getting the soul right so that we can receive the planted, implanted Word of God because it's the Word that will save your mind from fretting. It's the Word that will give you insight into seeing the right way and to see the wrong way and be able to discern which way I should go. It's, it's the Word that will give you clarity and conviction that you need to live in this world. It's the Word that will show you lies from truth. It will save your life. And the psalmist says this, that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And without the word, we walk in darkness. So we need to receive it. But then there's a particular way. He just keeps building this thought. There's a particular way we receive it. You don't just hear it. He says this in verse 22. He says, be doers of the word. Say that with me. Doers of the word. Until I read the Bible, I didn't know doers was actually a word, did you? But we know what it's, we're supposed to do whatever it says, that's right. We're to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourself. 
And I think about time and time and time after again, we go through devotion, we go through sermons and church life and things we watch on the internet and TV and things like that and get, get some word in us. But then we just don't make the change. We don't follow through. And James says, don't, don't deceive yourself like that now. You know, coming into this building doesn't make you any more of a Christian than, than if you slept in your garage makes you a, a, a 65 Corvette. You know what I'm talking about? Christians do what Jesus says. That's just the bottom line. Isn't that true? Now, we're not perfect at it, but Christians do what Jesus... We do the Word. That's what we are called to do. And I've had my bouts, and you have too, and I've done good, and I've done not so good. But Christians are doers of the Word. And he says, if anyone is just a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes his way, and immediately forgets what man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer of the, of the word, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. So he, do you see what he did? He went from all this farming talk and all this seed talk and all this getting your soil right and the planting of the seed and all that. And then he shifts the analogy. He starts talking about a mirror, doesn't he? He starts talking about a mirror. Now, what, what in the world is he doing? We're, we're prepared. We've received something. Now we're beginning to hear it. And he, he calls it, he, he's got a name for this mirror. What was the name he gave this mirror? He, he called it the perfect law of liberty. So he, he called this, this it's, it's, it's a way to talk about the word and look at the word. He says, when you come, you gaze into this perfect law of liberty. When you come to the scriptures, this implanted word, that's another way he, he described the word. You come to this mirror and you begin to look in it. You begin to read things like what James is saying. You begin to read things like what Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount. And things begin to talk to you. Jesus begins to talk to you. His teachings begin to, to resonate in your mind. You begin to think about it. Maybe you heard somebody say something. Maybe, maybe you saw a meme or something that struck you. Maybe you, 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 you read something in your devotion. Maybe a, a believer. Maybe it's a sermon you listen to. But somehow or another, God has implanted something in you and direction has come. But when direction comes, only when you act on it do you get the benefit. Isn't that true? So direction comes when you hear it, and the blessing and benefit comes when you do it, right? Now, you know how this works. It's just common sense, really. Kind of like going to the doctor. None of us like to go to the doctor, but sometimes it's necessary. Has anybody known anybody that's been guilty of going to the doctor, hearing what he said, getting the prescription, going down to the drugstore, getting it, putting it on the counter, and then you didn't do what he said? And then you got to see that joker two weeks again. So what good was it to go to the doctor? Did it profit you anything? No, it actually caused you a loss. You actually paid a fee to go there, didn't you? So it's kind of like going to the doctor. If, if you go to the doctor, you need to do what he says. And when you come to the word, you need to do what he says. Now, here's the thing. There, there's two reflections you need to see in this mirror which is the word. There's two reflections. Now, 
Here's James says that you look at yourself, you see me. Okay, you get in there and you're looking around. And, hmm. Some days you wake up and it looks good. And some days you, Lord, you know, you're like, what happened? I must have wrestled a bear last night. You know, uh, you look and see yourself. Now here's the truth. Spiritually speaking, when we look into the mirror of God's word and we see us, we almost never see anything good. You, you, when you see you, you, you see your bondage. Let's call it that because he's, he's dealing with liberty, so let's call it bondage. And let's call it flaws. So when Jesus talks about me treating people right, I look in there, the first reflection I see is, and, I, and it comes to mind, all the things I didn't do right in that area. And the things I need to correct. Don't, isn't that true? Don't we see that? And I see this dynamic is what keeps a lot of people from the Scriptures. Because when you go into the Scriptures and you see, and you see what you're supposed to do, and then your reflection comes back to you, it, it ain't pretty. Now he says this. What are you going to do when you see that? So it's kind of like looking in that mirror and you got mud on your side of your face. You're just going, what you going to do? I mean, you got mud on the side of your face. You're just going to look at it and say, ah. Ignore it and forget about it. Well, that's what a lot of people do with truth. We just ignore it. And we walk away as if everything's okay when the house is on fire and everything's a mess. So you're going, you're going to see some stuff that's not real pretty in that mirror. Now, that's a metaphor now. I'm not talking about it. You're going to see some stuff that's not real pretty. James says, when you see these flaws in you, what are you going to do? We, we call that conviction. Conviction. It begins to churn on the inside of you. And that's pain. That don't feel good. But it's necessary. You see that. But he says, keep, keep looking in that law because now, if you keep looking into it, you, you see the honesty, you see truth. That's what you see. You see truth. You see truth about yourself. But there's another truth that, don't just, don't just stop it looking at you now. There's another truth that you need to see in there as well. You need to see the reflection of Jesus and His truth because this is who you are right now. But what truth tells you is not just who you are. Truth speaks another something to you and tells you who you can be. And he says, what I want you to do is learn, is learn to look into this perfect law of liberty. And in order to sin, set you free or liberate you, God has to deal with the bondage. But he's not just interested in just dealing with your sin all the time. He wants you to become who he created you to be and you to walk in truth and see what you see. And when you keep looking again is you see Jesus. You begin to see his reflection when you look at yourself. And see, this makes sense when you hear something like Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You hear what I'm talking about? But we, we can't just hear it. We got to act on it. So there are some negative things we got to deal with. We got to deal with them. Be honest. Open to God about it. Maybe you need to talk to somebody about it. Be honest about it. Act on it. 
Because if you just walk away, you'll just forget about it and you'll be worse off than when you started. You hear what I'm talking about? Hear it, do it, and live in the blessing. And James ends with three things that we need to do. Three things that every believer can do right now. Three things. Verse 26 and 27. First thing, he said, bridle your tongue. So we're talking about hearing and doing. He said, I'm going to give you three things that you need to do. This is, this is a picture of pure religion. This is a picture of a way that you and I can serve God today with everything we got. He said, first thing I want you to do is get some self-control with your, your speaking. Bridle your tongue. Everybody, you want to practice doing this with me? Bite it. Bite that tongue. Bite it. Bridle it. Now, James is going to say some more things about the tongue a little bit later. We'll, we'll leave some of that alone. Because he, he's got a lot to say about how we speak in our tongues. He's talking about self-control. Get control of yourself. That's, it's one of the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? It's one of the ways the Spirit comes. He comes and helps us control the way we speak. James says, bridle your tongue. Second thing he says is care for those in difficult situations, especially widows and orphans. Those folks who have really been hammered, been hit hard by life and death and tragedy and trouble and things like that. He said, I want you right now to think about those people and I want you to reach out and help however you can, whether it's encouragement, finances, whatever it might be. Care for those in difficult situations. Every believer can do that on one level or another. You may not can pay off the house, but you can buy them a cheeseburger. You know, that kind of thing. And the third thing he says, it's a lifetime project. Keep yourself clean. Keep yourself clean. He said, keep yourself, the way he actually words it, keep yourself unspotted from the world. That world is slinging mud all over the place all the time, everywhere, through all the media that we take in, through people and all their vileness and all that stuff. We talk about people at work and all that kind of stuff. You can't get around it. So what you have to do is keep yourself clean. You probably can't clean up all the world, but you can clean up you. Isn't that true? Keep yourself clean. Live a holy life. Clean living is good living. You know that? Now I've lived when not so clean. And I don't have to worry about what's in the glove box when a cop pulls up beside me. I actually can wave at the joker and say, hey man, how you doing? It, didn't, it wasn't always like that now. Clean living is good. Clean conscience is good. Not worrying about what you're going to get in trouble about. That's really good. Keep yourself clean. Live a holy life. Now imagine if just everybody in this room, all the believers in this room, just those three things, we went out into our communities and we really tried to do what James is telling. Just those three things. In a short period of time, just the people in this room could help transform this community. You realize that? And now, what if all the believers, the people that name the name of Christ in this whole region begin to do that? Well, Lord, have mercy. You would begin to see all kind of goodness here and do. See, what, what, what the Word tells you in your ear, let it get in your feet. You see what I'm talking about? Let's pray. Ah, Lord. Help us. A lot of practical stuff. We need your help, Lord.
We need your help to be the people that you've called us to be. Forgive us, we've fallen short many, many times over. But Lord, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your healing. And Lord, I thank you for the grace that will help us get on the right path. Lord, if you just lean over to heaven and tell James, thank you. Lean over to James and just tell him thank you for writing. Thank you for helping us.